Welcome to Post Break. My name is Chris Peterson, Board Secretary of the Post New York Alliance. Today's topic is Anatomy of a Scene, Breaking Down the Editing Process. And now to introduce our moderator, picture editor, producer of the excellent PNYA podcast, Frame by Frame, and of course, PNYA member, Isabel Siderni. Hey, everybody. Um, thanks, everybody, for, for, for just showing up. It's, it's always really great to be reminded of the community that we have that we have here in New York. I am pleased to be in the company of so many um, extraordinarily talented people. I have two extraordinarily talented women that um, you're gonna be hearing from today. We have a short amount of time to get through probably what's gonna be a really rich conversation talking about their, their uh, uh, focusing on a couple of pieces of their work. Um, so we're gonna have 20 minutes with Shannon Baker Davis, 20 minutes with Allison Johnson, and then we'll open it up to Q&A. So uh, I'll give you a little introduction to both of them. Shannon Baker Davis is an award-winning television and film editor who began her career in New York, editing unscripted shows and documentaries. After 10 years working on iconic and Emmy-winning shows sh such as Project Runway, Shannon began working in scripted television and feature films. Her credits include Insecure from Issa Rae, Grownish, a spin-off of the highly acclaimed Blackish from creator Kenya Barris, and Queen Sugar from creator Ava DuVernay. After working on The Weeknd with director and writer Stella McGee, Shannon reunited with Stella on The Photograph, starring Issa Rae and Lakeith Stanfield. Her most recent project is the Netflix series Black AF, created by Kenya Barris, which stars Bar Barris and Rashida Jones. And we're going to be focused focusing this discussion on the photograph and um, Black AF. Um, and then I guess I'll go ahead and, and kind of give you a more fuller uh, background on Allison um, when we start talking to her. But um, Shannon, maybe you can give us just a little, um, a little uh, kind of context or story synopsis for the photograph, just to to set us up a little bit, to set the stage for the discussion. Yeah, sure, sure. Hi, everyone. Thank you for inviting me to this, and thank you for having me, and thank you for showing up, to everyone. Um, I, the photograph um, is a movie that is a romance drama. It was written by Stella, directed by Stella. Um, distributed by Universal Studios. It was in the theaters when everything shut down. So it's very upsetting for me personally. Um, but it is the story of May, whose mother has just passed. And um, through um, Michael, Michael is the love interest. He has found a, a photograph of um, May's mother and he traces it back to May and they begin a romance. It also has a, a story, continuous storyline through the past about May's mother, Christina, who um, let, leaves everything she knows in rural Louisiana to move to New York and become a photographer. And she has a lot of regret about the love of her life that she left. So I won't tell you what happens in the end. Uh, so you can still go watch it. It's, it's out on iTunes and 
Amazon and in all of the streamers right now. Okay, great. So the opening of the photograph is really complex. I mean, you're setting us up for the entire piece, but because there's this parallel story between two eras and between two generations, um, and we're not sure of the relationship to people yet. Tell us a little bit about the challenge of creating that opening. Um, well, the, you know, I wanted to talk about the opening because the opening went through so many, many, many versions, many iterations. We moved around the pieces for the first 12 minutes over and over and over again, just to get it to a place where you met everyone, you met the people in the past briefly, you knew where you were in time, and our two main characters, May and Michael, also needed to meet in that first, you know, 15 minutes, 12 minutes. And um, we, the script was written to start uh, with Michael, and we, and it was shot that way, and we had this big, grand, beautiful drone shot following him down into the car. Um, there used to be more of a scene there. And then um, there's all these great montage shots that they shot of the bayou and, you know, just the scenery of where he was. And all of that got cut down, <laughs> way down, <laughs> um, because we just needed to get the story moving. And, you know, we also, uh, didn't originally have a big, grand, beautiful shot to introduce May. It was always planned, um, but we did end up getting that shot, and we just needed to basically make them equal. Even Michael returning to, because it starts with Michael doing an interview um, with um, a man in the bayou, and then he comes to New York where the whole movie is set pretty much. And we had a, we even had a big grand shot of him walking into his office in New York. And um, so we tried to match that with May. And we also had to dip into the past because we needed to know that May's mother had passed away. And when you saw the people in the past, you understood what that relationship was. It wasn't like, oh, who are these people? Why are we watching them? Where are we? What time are we? Mm -hmm. um, and we had Michael starting. And then at one point, Stella wanted, she said, how can we start in the past? And she really, she wanted to like introduce the characters earlier, but we struggled with having a whole big long scene because the story is not originally set in the past. And, um, and you know, we had this video that they had shot for the later on when May walks through the gallery and she's decided, the very end, she has decided to do an exhibit on her mom's photography. And there was a video playing in the exhibit and we had this video and they had brilliantly shot they like way more than was scripted as in, as you know, in terms of dialogue, it, it felt like May's mother, Christina was actually being interviewed by her boss, this photographer, this like really famous photographer. And it was very casual, but it was also very sad. And it was also very remorseful. And, you know, um, the actress who plays 
Christina Shante was just really brilliant in it. And so we decided to put that video at the top to introduce the tone, what we're doing. You, you automatically know she's missing something in her life. And, um, and yeah, and it just, this, it sets the story off. And how is this different from maybe what was written in the script? What, what um, she initially had in the script? Cause I, I mean, well, I think we all recognize that edit, editing is kind of its own form of writing. So yeah, yeah. We're rewriting things. This, the first, it, it's, I mean, I won't say it's night and day. All of the scenes are there, but you know, when I work, I like put the cards in the wall and Inga, one of my assistants knows cause they had to make these cards and we put the cards on the wall. And to me, any scene can go anywhere. Like there is no, oh, but that was shot for this or that was shot for that. Anything can go anywhere in the entire movie. And um, you just have to make it flow and make it organic. And um, we had the scenes shot for the beginning. We just rearranged them like a puzzle. And then we also had, you know, a character that was cut from the movie um, that was, his scenes were in that first 12, 15 minutes. And it was keeping our characters from meeting. Our May and Michael were not meeting. They were meeting at like minute 20, 21 when we first started. And it was like, no, this can't be. Like we have to have our romantic interests, know each other, meet each other. So, you know, Stella wrote some great scenes. They were acted beautifully. Um, Talk, talk about the, talk about her kind of, method or or um encouragement of improvisation and and how that affected the oh scene. yeah so um the, the scenes that were there were very specific scenes that were improv it was mostly the scenes with Lil Ro Howery who plays Michael's brother um because he's a comedian and he's super funny and he you know was up for it to improv and um the woman who plays his wife um, was also equally brilliant and, and it worked out. They had to shoot, you know, when you have improv, you have to shoot two cameras at once. You have to make sure you get that coverage because they're going to say one funny thing in one take and then not say it in the next or riff on it in one way and riff on it in a different way. So, you know, it's, it's, I, you know, and I'm, I have a reality background. I started out cutting nonfiction and unscripted and so, I was kind of used to piecing words together and piecing, you know, tone of voice together so that it sounded like it came from the same sentence. And, and um, yeah, so that was, those were the scenes that were improv for the most part. Lakeith did a little, Issa did a little, um, but you know, there, the words were already there. They were, you know, beautifully written. Um, you had worked with um, Stella before. Did you guys have a, a kind of a deep, you must have already established a really deep trust so that you could, were you working kind of? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what happens when you work with a director. Um, we, I cut the first season of Grownish and she, I, she directed an episode that was my first episode that I was cutting and it was also her first 
episode of television. And so you friends with Kenya Barris? Are you, I mean, like, are you all in the same circle? Is oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, she had, cool. she had um, directed Gina the Jones, Gina the Joneses, um, that went to South by Southwest. And that's what kind of put her on the map. Um, she was, you know, working hard way before that, but that's when everybody started to see, know her name and know who she was. And then she had directed um, Everything, Everything, which was a MGM, MGM picture. So she, I guess just circles knew Kenya and then Kenya asked her to come direct Grownish. And, you know, Kenya was also, she, he had done many, many seasons of, well, not many, like maybe four or five seasons of Blackish. And he wanted Gronish to feel different. So he, he deliberately chose directors that hadn't been doing 10 years of broadcast television. You know, it was also for a cable network and it was also a younger audience. And so that was all very deliberate and intentional to get a different sort of feel and look um, for that series. Nice. And then we did the weekend at, we met and she had an indie feature that she had written and she was directing and, and that was great that it, um, it's a comedy starring Sesher Zamata, Zameda and Dewanda Wise and Tone Bell and Ilan Noel. And, um, and it went to, it premiered at TIFF and went to Tribeca and yeah. So it's been a good, oh, so you, the question that you asked me was, <laughs> um, yeah, like you get a relationship with your director and you know what they like and you know, you know, you can literally see from take to take to take what adjustments they're making and, you know, like every once in a while I'll text her and be like, are you going for seven or going for eight? You know, like just that kind of thing. And, you know, but you can, you can oftentimes see or I can see knowing her, what she may have told the actors to do or not do. So, and I can, I can try to kind of be intuitive about not putting those things on camera and, you know, and then she'll also, she comes in and she's like, nope, 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 nope. I tried to get them to stop doing that. Or I, I want to, I prefer this angle on them. And then I'll be like, Oh, okay. Okay. Now I know. And, you know, we can go from there. We're gonna we're gonna um, come back to the photograph in the Q and A session because we've already got some really wonderful questions coming up uh, about that work. But just in the mm-hmm. service of um, making sure that we introduce your work on Black AF to people, let's let's segue to that. And it's kind of wonderful. I didn't realize that um, she had also directed and was working with Kenya Barris, but you have also edited. Um, the 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 fourth and fifth episode of Black AF, I believe, right? Yes. And um, uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it, do, do you want to give them a little bit of a background on what that just the basic story is? Yeah. So Kenya Barris is the writer um, and producer who created Blackish and Grownish and Mixish, and Black AF is kind of the story of him living in Hollywood, and he plays himself. And, you know, it's, it's also a comedy, but it's a lot more raw. It's a lot more, um, it's shot documentary style. Um, the whole premise is that his daughter is sending a video as her um, application to NYU film school. And uh, that's the premise of the whole thing. And it's shot, you know, Carver Enthusiasm and those, has interviewed Bites and things like that. 
So yeah, it's just about him navigating Hollywood as a black creative. There's also this kind of wonderful layering of history that is incorporated into every episode um, as a kind of, I think, as a reflection on a, on a, like, on the contemporary moment, but how the legacy of the civil rights movement or mm-hmm. slavery is still with us. And I think yeah. that he makes that point really clear in the title of every episode. <laughs> yes. There's something yeah. like, you know, this is a, this is about slavery or this is be- because of slavery. And then yeah. like the next, it's like the kind of, like the word slavery intentionally is in every title to just say like, mm-hmm. Hey, we're still dealing with this. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and he, you know, in episode five, he, he fired his daughter, asked him about something and he fires back at her. It's because of slavery. Like everything I'm going to tell you is because of slavery. And yeah. that's, a running joke throughout the whole series. Um, but very much yeah. dealing with dealing with the black experience as a parent, as a lover of your spouse, as a um as a, in, a, in white spaces. And yeah, yeah, that's all that's very it's it's you know he, it, he's so obviously he's a so bigger good. version of himself. Yeah. yeah, he's not really this person, but the yeah. things that they're talking about are things that he ingest in him in himself and things that he deals with but you know he's not really the you know jerk that he is like not at all that's not him you know like it's written for television obviously but like i've had people on twitter saying oh wait those aren't his real kids oh that isn't his real family wait what i'm so confused and i'm like "Hmm, see we did a good job we did a good job it feels real (laughs) Uh, so, so just to um, to jump into your episode, talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that section in episode five where it's Ava DuVernay and Issa Rae, and um, uh, there are two other directors, and um, there's Arana Story, Tim, yeah, Will Packer, Tim Story, and Lena Waite. Thank you so much. Okay, five, right. yes. <laughs> Um, and you know, basically the episode is about Kenya starts out by watching a, a, a film by a black director that everyone is saying is a wonderful epic film and he doesn't think he thinks it's a terrible film and the whole episode is about critic critiquing black work and critiquing creatives and when should we do it should we do it should we let white critics do it you know, should we pay attention to it? And and in this scene, he has called all of the high power black creatives that he knows into this conference call to talk about what are they gonna do about the state of it? And yeah. they're not necessarily happy to like, enjoy, and you know, enjoy this whole, you know, slashing through black work as much as as Kenya is. And And so they basically shot everyone separately, every person, Ava, Lena, Issa, Tim, Will, and Kenya were all shot separately, separate times. Um, Kenya did read lines to some of them, but most of them, they didn't, they weren't able to hear anybody else. And they did a lot of improv. And so I had to literally line everybody up, pick the best place, cut it in, and try to like, manipulate it so that it didn't look like it was cutting on every line. Um, and so that the timing of that is all like they're all their timings had to be 
lined up, you know, like, um, like if you cut a musical where you have to line up every camera according to the music and, you know, it was kind of the same thing. And, uh, and they created this like little digital hit effect to cover some of the cuts, which is odd to go to a VFX place and say, we want, we need you to add some, some bad stuff. <laughs> we need to make you look worse. Um, and yeah, and it, it ends up being really funny because everybody there and, and ha you had to make it feel like they were all talking at once when it was not shown that way at all. So I think I thought everybody did a great job. Like but that's, I mean, that's the credit to your craft to, um, to lead us to believe that they were talking at once. I mean, that was, yeah. really cool. and, and in fact, someone in the comments has already mentioned, uh, that that zoom scene she like her in her opinion it's one of the funniest scenes in like any show ever <laughs> <laughs> they're all so oh. funny and they're all so funny and and you know like that's just cut and comedy is like learning to like cut on the joke did you know cut really quickly make people feel like they're talking on top of each other almost because it just keeps it going and it no one gets a chance to like sit and be like, this is boring. And it, it's very quick now a days that people are like, this is boring, you know, two okay. minutes. And I, we have to jump over to Allison. Uh, sure. We're, we're going to come back to black AF and but just, you. just to um, mention that your delivery schedule was like kind so of, insane. it was like, like three weeks or four weeks or how we had, I worked five weeks. Um, for, two episodes. for two episodes, yeah. okay. two episodes. everybody from make start to finish, from watching, watching footage to locking picture. Okay. That's, that's, an, that's like heroic. So everybody just make note of that. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Allison, you are up my darling. All right. So Allison Johnson's, I'm going to do a little intro. Allison Johnson's editing career began in documentaries working with Bill Moyers at PBS and then moving into rockumentaries such as The Who's Tommy, The Amazing Journey, for which she received an Emmy nomination. Johnson's move into narrative began with Spike Lee's He's Got Game and Summer of Sam, where she was associate editor to Barry Alexander Brown. Her feature work as an editor includes several works with Mira Nair, such as Monsoon Wedding, The Namesake, and Vanity Fair. Her television work includes The Wire, The Good Fight, and Baz Luhrmann's The Get Down. Allison is currently editing the Apple TV series, Mosquito Coast. Um, uh, so Allison, first off, just for anyone who hasn't yet seen the series, can you offer just maybe a little uh, synopsis of The Get Down? And then maybe uh, we can talk about like how you set the mood and the energy of the piece. Sure. Um, the Get Down, um is basically about the birth of hip hop uh, in 1977, I believe it begins. And uh, it follows um, a group of friends and um, a kind of um, an icon of their neighborhood named Shaolin Fantastic, who's this guy who kind of sneaks in and sneaks out of places and is always in the shadows. Um, and it also has, of course, all the icons of the time, um, including Grandmaster Flash and Cool Herc and all of them. 
Um, yeah. And we'll talk about how you layered in the music because some, I think some of that is really delicate. I mean, but yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the series, um, I think it ended up being 12 episodes. Um, but, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't really put together like a normal series where you are just doing one episode after another, uh, because Baz is used to doing features. He basically started it that way, but it ended up being basically a 12 hour movie. So there, when I went back to look at my notes about this, uh, episode that, that we showed you, um, or offered to you, um, it, it actually was not the episode, uh, it wasn't written as the episode that it ended up being. And, and I remembered we just started, mo at a certain point, started moving scenes from one place to another because um, the show was evolving. And uh, Baz was lucky enough to be in a position where he wasn't delivering you know, like network television delivers and Netflix was allowing him to kind of um, move things around and not have a, um, a schedule where he had to deliver one episode after another. So it was a little um, kind of, I think we delivered the first six episodes together and then went into part two, what they called part two. So Baz directed the, the pilot episode, I think you mentioned to me earlier. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about what that, what he kind of established as a tone? Because it's a, it's very complex layering. Um, and if we, you know, if you, if you talk about um, the pacing and the tone and how, you know, maybe that can help us understand how the inner cutting that was scripted was really ambitious and how that led to some of the challenges in the edit that you had to find solutions for. Yeah. Um, well, that's, <laughs> that's a big, um, Baz's vision. I can't really speak to that. I can well, speak. Or like just that maybe the tone that he, he tried to set. In yeah. Pilot. Well, you know, I, I think he really tried to get the youthfulness of, of the show because, you know, it was all about these high school kids and, um, and, you know, the naivete of them, you know, um, they're in high school, but they're trying to get into the music business and Ezekiel wants to be a rapper, or not, not a rapper, but a, uh, yeah, a rapper actually. Um, and then um, his girlfriend Mylene wants to be a disco in disco, and the controversy there. So the whole the whole series is really about the controversy between those two very popular things that were happening at, at exactly the same time. And some people were doing both, and some people were like, "No, I'm doing this," and the others are doing, you know, that. But the, so yeah, so so there are so many elements that are being balanced in the get down. Um, one of the uh, one of the attendees is a fan and is mentioning that it in, it involves like historical elements. I mean, so archival hip hop, disco, kung fu, musical with comic animation. And the direct question is, how the hell did you balance all of these elements? 
<laughs> I mean, well, that, and that was that was something that we wanted to talk about was um, how you had to um, kind of come up with a slightly different storyline to to kind of tell the story clearly. Um, but allow for these elements to kind of find their place in the in the right moment. Can you talk about how you negotiated that? Sure. Um, actually, you know, when when the scripts were written, the those elements were weren't really there. So those elements were brought in to help the storyline. So in other words, um, we really needed to make it feel like it was 1977, which is you know, hard to do when it's, you know, 20, I don't know when it was done, 2015, 2016, something like that. Um, it's way too expensive to actually, um, you know, dr dress all of those sets. Um, so all the, the archival footage was brought in, which was, you know, really quite um, a feat for, um, for, you know, the assistants and, you know, we didn't have an archivist. Uh, we so didn't have an archival researcher? No. Wow. <laughs> so that no. fell to your... So I, I think it was the post supervisor, I think, was doing all of that. Um, yeah, it was, it was really quite, it was quite difficult. And he gathered up all, you know, we would just say, we need this, we need this. And he would just look and look and look. And Frankly, most of the footage, most of the archival footage came from Europe because the wow. stuff that was happening um, in the U.S. at the time was all television. It was all news. Um, and a lot of the best footage was uh, footage from documentaries that um, Germany was doing. And, you know, it was it. So it came from all over. Incredible. I mean, there, there was, I think you had mentioned that there was a scene in the recording studio that um, was supposed to be shorter, but when you went in to do the edit following the script, you realized that you kind of weren't able to follow this, like, the basic storyline and you needed to expand that scene. Can you talk about making some, making some of those decisions and... Um, sure. Um, the, um, the scene that, that um, and that's right in the beginning of the intercutting between Ezekiel uh, rapping and Mylene doing her, um, her new disco tune. Um, that appears twice in the episode. Uh, but the latter uh, section of it was really, really short. And the director and I were feeling kind of cheated when we got to the end. We felt like it, it was supposed to be a big climax, but we had the climax early in the episode. So um, what we ended up doing was taking some of the, some of the, we couldn't repeat it, um, although it was, you know, it, it would have still be been pretty um, climactic and it, it would have been way uh, far away. So maybe we could have pulled it off, but we really wanted to save something new for the end. So we extracted some of the some of the um, music in, from the beginning and used it only at the end and um, and expanded that so that um, so that we could have more of a you know ah we've we've reached the the climax 
basically. And, um, you know, in the beginning, the first kind of 10 minutes is really this back and forth between Ezekiel and Mylene. Um, you know, it's hard to cut between a disco tune with, you know, all the background music and a guy rapping with, that's all, it's just his voice. So we were finding every time we cut to him, um, it was dead. And so we, luckily we had our composer on site and he, you know, we kept saying we need some transitions and we need, you know, we need some kind of beat that goes through the whole thing um, that will help, you know, bring us, keep us going. So, um, is it, just, just to kind of recognize, have you had a composer on site before? Is that something that happens very um, often? Well, when, when I was working on Smash, we didn't have, uh, Mark Shaman was not on site, but he was always available to us. So it, I, I had similar things happen with that. I remember being in, in a mix session for, um, for a song that was in one of the shows. And um, there was, I think it was like a trumpet that was, you know, I had specifically cut a dance move to the trumpet and all of a sudden in the final mix, it wasn't there. And so it just looked like this dance move happened for no reason. So I was lucky enough to be able to call Mark and say, hey, what happened to that thing? I, I cut the, I practically cut the dance around it. And he was like, oh, no problem. And he just put it together, sent it to the mix and it was in there. Wow. So that's the kind of stuff you don't normally get to do. And I've been, I, you know, I've been working on shows where I don't even see the finished music. And, and then I see the show and I'm like, oh my God, what happened to my show? <laughs> it's like a different show, you know, with different music. So I really love having, having close contact with the composer. Yeah, of course. Were there other editors that, were working on other episodes as you were working on your episode and what if so what was the collaboration like between you guys well yes um actually vanessa procopio and um gosh now deborah debbie moran and um and uh baz's editor jono last name i can't remember right now sorry um, Jana was, uh, has worked with ba Baz forever. So he was kind of the go-to guy. If, if we were, we had questions about what do you think Baz really wants here? He was the guy to go to. And he, um, we ended up all actually pretty much having an, a hand in almost all of the episodes because, um, we each had specific episodes, but then it would come to, um, time to um, to export for the studio and we'd have a screening and all of a sudden we were dividing the show up to make changes because it had to be done the next day. So, um, you know, we, we were all working very, very closely with each other and handing scenes over and, you know, it was a great group of editors. So, it, you know, it was it was a great experience because you learn so much from the other editors. You're like, 
oh man, I can't believe you, you fixed that problem that I was having all that time. So um, it was a good experience. You know, I imagine like the cards on the wall must have been pretty crazy with just with all the different layers of music and archival and um, all the different, I mean, there's like 12,000 characters in, <laughs> <laughs> in the story. Yeah. So, and to keep everyone straight and to keep everyone's dreams straight and their obstacles and their, you know, their nemesis and everyone um, that, it, I'm just curious if, um, if you let them, it, how much you were able to kind of let the music help you tell this story because it's about music. Um, I don't know that I would say it helped me tell the story any more than any other part of it. Obviously music, you know, music helps you tell the story all the time. So, um, I don't know that this was different from, you know, you having a, a love scene and, and saying, oh, wow, we could really use some you know, romantic music right here in this spot and that will send it, send it to a new level and that will really tell the audience w what the two lovers are thinking when they look at each other. And, I, you know, I think that's what music does in general. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, why don't we open it up to questions just because I've seen a lot of them come through. Um, and uh, let let the people jump in. Uh, Chris, do you, do you want to? Sure. So, so um, starting off, how do you prefer for writers, producers, or directors to communicate and illustrate tone and, and pacing for you? Do they happen in pre or in post in the moment while you're editing? Or what's that dialogue? And that's for either, you know, both Shannon, Shannon and Allison, you can answer, you can both answer that. Um, Go ahead. Um, I, mean, I, I would say I, um, you know, I came out of, uh, I, Shannon, I don't, I don't know if you worked in the old days where we actually had film and we had to all sit in the same room and talk about things, <laughs> be it all together. Uh, but when I was working with Spike, that, you know, we had really had dailies and we, we sat and watched the dailies together and he told us, you know, this is what, this is what I was thinking when, when I shot this, I like this, you know, take, um, you know, I don't want to go in that direction. You know, he would literally talk through the dailies. And when you left there, you had an idea of what he wanted. Whereas nowadays, you know, you're lucky if, you even talk to the director in television that is um, before you start your editor's cut um, on the get down. I was, you know, this particular episode, episode five, um, um, the director was fabulous. And he literally at the end of each day would email me what he meant by everything, you know, Oh, when I was doing this, I, I did it for, you know, for this reason. And, you, you know, he would basically say, use it or don't use it. I'm just telling you what I, what I was thinking when I shot it. And, um, and that was terrific. And uh, so I never felt like I was like, 
oh my God, what, I just have to like pick things. I just have to make something out of, you know, nothing. And then later I have to do what the director wants. And then later after that, I have to do what the producer wants. At least the first cut, I had some idea of what the director was thinking. So uh, we kind of missed that step of um, being clueless, <laughs> which sometimes you, you end up you being. You mentioned that the, uh, the director for that particular episode had previously been a showrunner. Is that right? And, and so Yes, I think he, he was a showrunner at on in some shows and a director in other shows. So he was, he knew the process very well and he had, you know, really good ideas about what, ha what he wanted the show to look like in the end. And also, I think you mentioned that he was also really super helpful in thinking through transitions in anticipation. So he would give you the material that you needed to make a transition from one scene to the next, which was more than you had necessarily gotten yeah. Oh, yeah. He actually, I'm, because we had this intercutting, I mean, normally when you, when you end up with the intercutting, it's not really scripted that way. And you're doing it because you need to breathe some life into the piece. Uh, but this was scripted and Michael um, ended up making some great transitions from, you know, um, the past to the, to the future shots with the same characters and different costumes and they would walk kind of step in and step out and it was really really helpful yeah but rare <laughs> yeah yeah shannon what how how do you establish uh, um well in in features um i always have a talk with the director and if the director is the writer also like what do you see this being like and how can we take elements from thing, all the things that you like and put them together and make this a, 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 a bigger thing that you like? Um, when, you say, when, you, when you say, what is this like, do you mean to like, to Like, to is this, film? Is, you know, yeah, other films, other television shows, even if it's like an art exhibit or like people draw inspiration from all sorts of things and they're trying to make these okay. frames that, that remind them of things and inspire them. And, you know, you always want to, you want to know. And so when you get the footage and you're like, well, that's not that, how can I make that, that for you, you know? And, um, and, you know, in, in television, the first season of a show is always about trying to figure, everyone's trying to figure it out, um, especially on the pilot. And when you, when you get into the later seasons, they do what's called a tone meeting where, hopefully the editor is invited and the producer writers talk with the director about tone and pacing and all of these things. And the director gets to ask questions. And, um, you know, for the most part, the director is trying to fit their episode into what's already been established for the season. So, um, you know, the editors usually know what the tone and the pacing and, and it's also, you know, if, I, if I'm working on a television show and I get something of the director, I constantly communicate like, um, oh, this was great. This, this cut together like great. You know, this wasn't, uh, this didn't, this, I, I struggled a little bit with this because of this or whatever. You know, I, I just try to like, you know, very diplomatically talk to the director and 
um, ask them questions about what was intended if they don't already communicate that with me. Um, because, you know, like Allison said, we all want to skip that step of, oh, you got it so wrong that, you know, now we have to start from scratch. And I never want to start from scratch. Like, I don't want them to, like, completely throw away the editor's cut. Like, I want it to get to a place where you're starting from that point. Um, and, yeah. So hopefully, for the most part, you know, as long as you have conversations about it in, in advance, I'm like, I, you know, editors in television, especially are just great mimickers. you know, like we, we can see something and create something else that looks like that because that's what we do in television. Do we have another, I think we have like a, a lot more questions. Yeah. 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 Um, this is for Shannon. Besides jumping timelines, cutting characters, were there any other challenges you faced while cutting the photograph and, and how did you overcome those? Um, well, we had, you know, the, the entire structure is, you know, it's always, how is your beginning? You know, is your middle continuing to keep the pace and keep the excitement? And how does your end come in the big finish? Like all of that. Those are constant conversations. Um, we did have, um, we had, there's a, a love scene, a sex scene in the movie. And my first cut of it was not PG-13 apparently. So we, that was one of the challenges. Like it seems small, but, and it was not like there was, it was never shot to be salacious or anything like that at all. But the, um, the rating came in at, um, did not come in at a PG-13. And so that was one of the challenges is like figure out how to make this love scene sexy and, and um, you know, make them feel like they're connected and, and still not show anything and not do, do anything. And not, so that was, was like- I forgot like how sexy a love scene can be. It was like super sexy. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, and the, my first cut of it was longer and, you know, there was more to it and we just had to go back and forth and try to get it to a place where the rating would be PG-13 and not R because this was not an R movie. If it was, if it had been shot as an R movie, it would have been a different movie. Um, so yeah, that was one of the challenges that I had never experienced um, to try to get a MPAA rating down. <laughs> but they're still sexy. They're still sexy. Super sexy. Yeah. And, and you know, and, as you and I had mentioned earlier, Issa Rae uh, um, had never played this kind of like dramatic, romantic, serious lead. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, people were used to seeing her as a comedian. And um, so we had to like make sure you knew from the very top that this was not a romantic comedy. Like this was a drama. This was dealing with very serious um emotional beats and you know you were not going to see Issa doing the normal her what her what she's so good at too so that's another thing it's like you don't want to drain everything from her that makes her charismatic and watchable and and just you're drawn to her and screen on screen whenever she's in anything 
Um, so you don't want to take that all away, but you have to like balance the tone of the movie with what you expect to see from her. So that was a big challenge. I mean, and Lakeith, and she's so good too. She's so good in this too. So um, we, you know, it was our honor to like present this side of her acting ability to everyone. And Lakeith is also very good and does, he's a chameleon, he does everything. Um, I, you know, I was surprised that he was so handsome and so leading man, just because everything he's done before. And I always joke that he was like putting his Denzel on the whole movie, you know, like just, and you know, and you know, Stella directed him to do, you know, to do these things and he brought things himself. He has this like, smoky like intensity in his eyes already so um yeah it was great I was I was I was in love with them both so <laughs> yes okay thanks very much um question about the get down um episode five both of the opening scenes are very powerful can you talk about the creative decision to combine them on the timeline? Um, they were actually combined already in, in the script, uh, which, as I said, is, is not necessarily um, something that, that you usually get. Usually you're combining because something's not working. Um, but they had, you know, I mean, it was, it was definitely um, the right move to have them combined because it was all about um, the juxtaposition of these two characters. Uh, what we were finding was that it was intercut too much. So uh, we were interrupting the storyline um, by cutting back uh, in the script. It had, it had, you know, we were supposed to cut back and forth a little bit more. And so we pulled back on that a little bit. Um, and, it, and, you know, a lot of times there's a clear kind of a clear moment where you say, oh yeah, this, this is where we should go back to the other scene. They, it, there seemed to be um, difficulty uh, in choosing where to go back and forth. And I almost wonder if it was because the, the scenes were, um, they were almost too complete and um, instead of having one scene complete the other, uh, it, we, were, we were having each scene separate, but intercutting it, uh, if you know what I mean. Um, does that answer it? <laughs> yes. Yes, thank you. And this is for Shannon and Allison. What are your tricks for navigating with a creator when their material, material on the page isn't working as well on the screen? How can you as an editor make it work? Um, I mean, I think you always have to try. First of all, the, the director's original goal, you have to try it and try it to the best of your ability. Um, when it's not working, I, cut alternates. I cut alternates. I, you know, you know, show the what I've cut first to the script. And then I say, okay, well, I also cut this version of the scene and present that and, you know, see what they say. And a lot of times 
I, I'm a talk it out type of editor. So um, I like to talk big picture a lot because that dictates how you're cutting the, all the pieces that go together. So I like to like really nail down, like what is the big picture of this whole movie or this whole series or this whole show? So um, everybody's on that same page. Now, when something's not working, I mean, you just kind of have to diplomatically say, I'm not feeling it. Yeah. Or I think this could be better. Like, how can we make this better? You know, how can we, you know, you just talk it out and you just, you can't, I, I'm not the type of person that can just sit there and punch the buttons and, and, and know that you're doing something that's not good and just continue to do it. So I talk it out. Well, I think, and there are plenty of editors who share, I think, I think probably most editors share the feeling that it's the editor's role to challenge the director or the producer, whoever is in the room, uh, to say, I think that there's something missing here that we creatively have to find a solution for in order to bring the kind of vitality or the lifeblood or the heartbeat back into the scene or this, or this like sequence or yeah. to tell to make us feel more about the character. I think that's, that's the role of the editor. Mm -hmm. so I don't know, you know, I, I wouldn't, I hope no one would ever just sit there complacently and, and just push buttons. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's also tough to know the timing. Like, you know, are you going to, you can't bring something up when you're two days from locking the whole thing. Like, oh, I had an idea. Let's completely change this whole thing. So you have to understand timing and the steps. And also if you have a big idea, you kind of need to figure out if you can execute it before you open your mouth and offer it to everybody. So, um, so that's cutting alternate scenes or that's like really thinking through what are the pieces, what's going to happen to this machine if we pull out one of these cogs or put it somewhere else. So um, that's the other thing too is like, and I, 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 you know, telling myself that because I will be like, well, can we do this big thing? And then they'll be like, okay, go. And you're like, oh, okay, let me figure out how I execute that. Right. Um, and then that's where persistence, I'm just a very persistent person in general. Like, um, you know, shout out to my assistants, Jenny, Inga, and AJ, because, you know, it, it, we, you go through VFX and you go through all these things and you go through the composer and you just have to stay persistent because you're drive like as an editor on a feature, you are driving that car. When everybody's tired, everybody's like, oh God, are we gonna like we're really gonna send this back again? And I'm like, yeah, we gotta yep. send it again. Yes, we are. <laughs> so um, but they were all they're super great. Like Jenny, Jenny like at Jenny's an angel. Thank you, Jenny, <laughs> because she just kept me on track and she kept everything organized and you just don't when you don't have to think about all the little things that are happening outside your cutting room door and you can just work on the creative and she just brings you things in and you just say, okay, go, no, yes, no. And then, you know, it's, it's the assistance, like, ugh, Worth I don't the know what you would do. Like you, you need all these people, you need all these people to make it work. For sure. Thank you, Shannon. And, and Allison, did you want to answer that also? Um, yeah, I, I, I think um, in television, it's interesting, in television we have a, um, 
an ability to go back it you know if the direct you know if you've shown the director something you didn't feel something was working and you've shown the director a couple of alternatives that you've put together and they say no and and you send out the director's cut the way they want it you can still go back when the producer gets a hold of it and say you know hey I, i'm not sure that this is working the way as as well as it could be I have some alternatives and you bring those alternatives back. And, you know, that's, that's something that I, you know, in features, I'm not sure that, um, that you really get that opportunity because you really have to work through it all with the director, because once it gets to the studio, it, you, you really don't have the opportunity to go back and say to the director, oh, hey, you know that thing that I showed you that you hated? I think we should, you know, they're having trouble with this scene too. I think we should try that. Uh, I don't know that you'll really get a great response from that. You can try and, um, you know, sometimes it'll work, but um, I think you have to really try to work through all of that with the director and features before it, before it gets out of, you know, before it moves on to the next step. Whereas in, in television, you have, you know, a couple of layers where uh, you can keep going back and saying, let's, why don't we try this now? Terrific. Um, thank you, Allison. And, and similarly to that question, how do, how do you both as editors select the projects that you work on and you need to feel connected to what's on the, on the page? Um, I, I love feeling connected to what's on the page. Um, and I'm getting to the point where I, um, I can actually say, you know, yeah, maybe I'll wait another month and see what else comes along because I'm not really feeling it for this offer for this show. Um, it's hard to work on a show that you don't like. Um, and I've done, you know, some super low budget features where I said, you know, I'll do it in my house. I'll use my own equipment. You don't have to pay me because I love the script. Mm. Um, and, and those, you know, those projects are, are always things that, that, you know, they're like passion projects and they're terrific. And I, you know, I really, I was a, a music major um, in college. So I tend to kind of go toward anything that has music involved in it. Um, but there isn't a lot of that around in New York. Um, but, you know, anytime it comes up, I'm like, I tell my agent, please, please get me on that. Because um, I, I just love those projects. But I but there are you know, obviously plenty of other projects that, that I love too. But at, as I said, it's really difficult to work on something um, that you just don't agree with or you don't like. Um, it, it's painful because it you're on it for a really long time. <laughs> and, and that's not to say that, that, that you won't love something on, the pa on paper and then when they start shooting it, you're like, oh my God, what was I thinking? This is awful. Um, but once you're in it, you can't really do anything about it, you know. 
you just have to see it through and try to make it um, make the experience um, one that you can live with and also try to make make the project something that you can be proud of. I think also, um, you know, I'm getting to the point too, where I'm like, who is working on it? You know, like you want to know the people that are involved. Do they have the same instincts as you do have, what have they done that do you like it? Do you dislike it? Do you, um, were you blown away by it? You know, you, it's the, it, a lot of times, um, because they're, you know, scripts are one thing. I, I can read a script and imagine something and the next person can read it and imagine something completely different. So knowing who's directing, who's producing mm. gives you a better idea of what the end product will actually look like. So um, I pay attention to the people involved. And are they good people? Like, do you want to be around them for nine months, 12 months, however long it takes to do this. Like, what have you heard around town about how they are? Do they work people to death? Do they, you know, like you just, you have to find out about those things because it's your life. It's your, I mean, it's my life. I you know, I'm probably a little bit too much of a workaholic, but yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's so true because you're, you're at work uh, for such a, a long period of time. You really need to enjoy the people you're working with and, um, respect them and they need to respect you and if that's not happening it's just going to be a miserable experience and if you're working you know late hours every single night um, I you know I don't really feel that that should be necessary um, I think if people are doing their jobs you you can actually get the thing done in a reasonable amount of time and um, you know Obviously, there are exceptions. You know, the studio threw you a curveball, and you have to go in and recut everything, and you know, things like that. Um, but you shouldn't be working yourself to death. And and yeah. if you are, it's it's uh, really unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there are just certain people too that you're like. It, it's a, it's it's funny too because the people that you will go through the fire with are usually not the people that ask you to do things that are outside of what you feel comfortable with. Like it's, there's a, there's a subset of people who, who are, you know, just hard to work with, hard to work for, you know? Um, so good people, people are the best. All right, well, thanks so much for those, Shannon and Allison, we're at the top of the hour here. So let's do one more question apiece before our hangout time. Um, but before that, I'd like to announce that next week's host break will be Music Editorial 101. So Shannon, um, your question will be, how did you transition from reality to narrative? Um, there is a magical bridge it's out in Minnesota. Uh -huh. You start at one end and then when you cross it, you're magically a scripted editor. No, I, um, I, uh, was cut it like I was worked in New York. I lived there for seven years and cut 
reality television and moved to LA with the idea that I was going to get into scripted and going to get into feature films and worked for five more years in reality. And eventually I just, oh, I actually cut things on the side. I cut indie features, nights and weekends. I cut, um, you know, I had a, our first daughter, our, our first child and um, came back from maternity leave and cut my friend's feature and loved it so much. I was like, this is what I need to be doing. I need to be in features and scripted. And um, just, you know, short story, decided to stop taking the reality jobs just to say no. And sometimes you had to repeatedly say, no, this is not what I want to do. It's not what I want to do. Don't offer me any more jobs. Don't offer me any more, or any more money. And I took off for, and I didn't work for two months. And I met a woman who was being bumped up from, for an entire season of The Good Wife, the last season. And she took me under her wing and she said, I could teach you everything you need to know. And she convinced them to let me, let them, let her hire me. And that was, you have to have somebody that is your champion that is like, no, I will cover for whatever happens. It's going to be great. But if anything happens, it's on me. And she did that for me, which was great. And then this, after I, so I did go back to assisting. And after you get that first one, then it got hired as an assistant on Insecure. And then, um, you know, that editor that I worked with, Jamie Nelson, who's great, um, was doing, she had done Blackish and Grownish was starting up. So I got, you know, after I, well, actually, I assisted a couple of more shows, and then I talked my way into a scripted editing job on the quad on BET, and that's where I met another editor who had worked on Queen Sugar the first season. So I went to do Queen Sugar for two C two seasons two and season season two and season three, and great people loved working with. I mean, I've loved working with everybody. Like, you know, when I talk about terrible people. That's only because I've heard about terrible people. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, and. After Queen Sugar did Grownish, and then, yeah. So it's basically, my advice is cut whatever you can that's scripted. If somebody asked me to do something that was scripted, didn't matter what it was, I cut it. So that, that was not the time to pick and choose between projects that you connect to. Like, I didn't have time for that. I had to cut, if it was scripted, I had to cut it. I was, I was saying yes. Um, so, that came late. That comes later in your career. Thank you, Shannon. And Allison, how did you work with Spike Lee's eclectic style? And how did you bond with that energetic form of working and editing? Um, Interesting question. Um, I never really saw it as a, an eclectic style, I guess. I, I feel like um, Spike style is Spike style and, uh, you know, Woody Allen style is Woody Allen style. And, you know, all the great filmmakers, they have their own style. And as an editor, you, you know, you have to you know, I think when you start a job with them, you get their energy and you see, you know, you look at, at the work they've done in the past 
And, um, you know, with Spike, he hit each one of his films is so different. You can't even say, oh, you know, he got game. I'm, you know, I worked on he got, he got game. So when I, when I work on Summer of Sam, it's going to be, you know, like the same style because it's not, you know, he's, he likes to change things up and, um, he is very open to, you know, people trying things. Um, the one thing that I learned from him that's, that was very, very important was you have to put the money on the screen. So when he shoots, he wants to see what he shot in, in the cut somewhere, somehow, even if it's like in a montage. And um, it kind of, you know, it's an interesting thing because I think in television, you don't really get that because they shoot so many cameras and a lot of the cameras are, are they're shooting them because they're afraid if they don't use three cameras then they won't get three cameras when they really need three cameras. And so you have all this additional, you know, these additional angles that you don't really need. Whereas when Spike, you know, when you were working with Spike, especially in film, you know, he, he shot it because he wanted to see it. So um, it was, uh, it was great. And he, he knew what he wanted. And, and that's, uh, that's a great thing for an editor to, to work with somebody who really knows what direction he wants to go in. And, you know, I was learning from Barry Brown, who was, has been his editor, you know, he, he and Sam Pollard have worked with um, Spike for a very, very long time. So, you know, I luckily was able to come up with uh, Barry who had cut, um, who had, sorry, directed the documentary that I worked on. And that's how I got kind of got into this whole um, thing was Barry said, you know, I'm doing Spike's next movie. You kept saying you wanted to be in features. Come on, you can be an apprentice, but you'll cut some scenes. So by the end of the film, I was, you know, cutting scenes. Um, and, and that was, you know, amazing since I had never touched film before. So it was kind of a, um, learning from scratch on a major film. Terrific. Thank you, Allison. Thank you, Shannon, for your insights and Isabel for moderating. That concludes the formal Q&A. Um, so this will be our kind of informal hangout session. Um, so if everyone can unmute themselves and just throw out any questions or topics that you like. I think, um, Tanu, you had, you had some questions, I believe. Uh, sorry, um, I, I, I was just um, going to say that I um, um, was very curious to hear from the teams, you know, because I noticed that um, some of the teams that worked on, on these uh, awesome projects are here, like Shannon's, uh, you know, uh, assistants are here, Inga's here, I think Jenny's here, Allison's co-editor for, um, 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 you know, uh, The Get Down is here. So I would just love to hear kind of like, you know, them kind of talk to each other about the process and kind of listen in on that. That to me sounds very interesting. Like uh, Alison, you know, uh, um, you know, Alison mentioned that uh, the editors kind of worked together and collaborated a little bit on the get down. And I would love to know how that happened. 
And Shannon, you said that your uh, assistant supported you and would love to know the relationship and how that worked out. Jenny, so. mom, 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 Jenny, Inga. <laughs> is AJ here? I don't think AJ is here. I am here. This is Jenny. I don't know if anyone can hear me. Jenny, I, huh. we can hear you. Okay. <laughs> I was actually an assistant on the get down too. So there you go. I have both shows under my belt. Um, I can't even see, I can't see who's talking for some reason. My oh. thing is not like popping back and forth. <laughs> I think I'm coming here. Sorry. Oh, I just locations in our really teeny apartment in New York. <laughs> ah, there you are. Hi, All right. Okay. Uh, oh God. I didn't yes. get my hair and makeup done for this. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, it's a so, pandemic. Yeah. Look at that. Oh God. It's all humidity. Um, so working with Shannon was a freaking dream. Um, <laughs> the, the relationship between the editor and assistant has to be very uh, collaborative and understanding and give and take. I think uh, I was able to help Shannon just because I'm a little older <laughs> and I've had a little more experience in the politics of this, the whole process. And I think that was helpful. To her. What do you mean by what do you mean by politics? Can you give an example without naming names? I mean, just to not name names. Yeah, but, but as the assistant, of, you need to be the the uh, touchstone for all the departments. So you're the coordinator. All the information goes through you, and you filter it out. Who needs to know what, when, and you need to kind of anticipate what's going to happen, so that no one is waiting for any but any other department, and just to know what could happen, what the studio might say, or what happens if this person doesn't show up with, you know, all the elements that you need in time. You need to have a backup plan for everything that happens. And I feel that my job is, the editor's job is to get the director's vision on the screen and my job is to do everything, everything in my power to make sure the editor has everything they need, they need nothing. Um, and to just make sure that they're comfortable and have everything that will help them get the director's vision on the screen. So, yeah. 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 She's one of the best. <laughs> she definitely no, did I mean, it on the get down. It, and it's and on the get down, um, that was a completely different dynamic. Also fabulous because the people, as Allison said, were fabulous. And we were living there seven days a week, 24 hours a day. We had a huge crew that worked around the clock um, and everyone helped on every show because there were like Allison was saying, Travis, who was our post coordinator, got all the the um, archival footage. And that, that was a job within itself. And then dealing with, you know, how many different cuts we had to make for Baz and the music. And it, it was a lot of elements to juggle. Um, but because we it was a huge crew, but everyone worked well together. So it made it more than not, I wouldn't say bearable because the hours were very, very long. Um, but when you work with people that you get along with, it makes it so much better. Yeah. That was one of the instances where, um, it was, it was grueling, but it was worth it. Um, because it was such a creative atmosphere and, you know, thank God we all worked together well because, we really needed each other to bat to, you know, 
when we were bleary eyed, we needed somebody to, you know, back us up and, and, you know, say, Hey, did, did you remember to do that? Or, or, you know, I saw, I saw a jump cut in that scene you just cut. And I know you've been up for 24 hours, but did you see that? Did you know it's there? <laughs> you know, so we really needed each other. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, we also had that because Jenny, I've never had anybody like go through my timeline because, you know, being cell would work sometimes pretty late into the night. And in the morning, Jenny at Jenny would come in and room. You changed this and this and this and that and this and this and that and be like, okay you know like and and you know people ask me what is the uh, you know what is a good assistant what do they do and that was one of the things that I think a good assistant should always do is to always always be on top of what that editor has done the day before like the timeline you you have exactly the um the blueprint of what happened the day before. Like if you weren't there, you're not there in their room with them anymore, you know, cause film used to be in there. So you would know as they were doing it, but be able to read a timeline and, and know what's going on. So you are right there in that editor's head. Like, Oh, this VFX shot got two seconds longer or even two frames longer, you know? And Oh, but I'm not going to say anything because I already did the handles and I'm not going to worry about that, that thing, you know, but some, some big things you might need to like get in there, get in that room and ask some more questions. And, you know, I always thought Jenny was really great at that. Yes. I'm, I'm the second assistant for the photogram. Inga. Yes, Inga. I, I just wanted to add like something that people sometimes don't know is that they were going, uh, Jeannie and Shannon were going back and forth between New York and LA all the time. So <laughs> that, you know, me and AJ, that she's not on the hold show. down New York. We had yeah. a hold down New York while LA was happening. And so I think that's also part of the whole process where there was great communication from the part of Jeannie and Shannon. And, you know, I work more directly with Jeannie and, you know, she just telling us, you know, what's the next step, where to go. And us just in New York holding down, making sure that Everybody needs everything they want. They they want. So um, that's part of the process too. Yeah, and I and I also think you know Inga is really good at um, like nobody is gonna like take you by the hand and be like here come with me. First we're gonna go to the playground, then we're gonna go. You know, so you know a part of becoming a really good assistant is to know what's going. <laughs> Sorry, my son just popped in the door. Um, <laughs> Sorry, it's informal, right? My daughter was having a fashion show and he has on his little suit. Oh, God. Uh, Hi. They are very fashionable. Oh, so, um, nice. but I, he was three months old when I came to New York. So that was another thing that I had to be like, Ginny. Jeannie, I don't know what my brain is going to be doing right now. I'm, I'm breastfeeding, I'm pumping, I'm doing all these things. So you may have to jump in and, and fix my brain at some point. But um, uh, I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> um, oh, but you have to, so you have to keep yourself in the loop. You know, like no one is going to be like, invite you to, to be on this discussion and be on this, like, 
you're you're being cc'd on emails you're being you're being told exactly what is happening and what stage everything is in keep yourself on the boat like keep yourself with the, the program mm. and but and everybody was together that did it that one thing um allison that i've heard from you and other people and that's that's come up i think with jenny is how important it is to be able to ha to handle um the the kind of diplomatic relationships between the the producer and the director and how much a part of editing that is and it was kind of just it was a great reminder jenny for you to to acknowledge that and bring it up and i i have since heard that the assistant editors aren't in the room as much but I, I i'm assuming jenny that you picked that up working in film when it was more kind of hands. yeah i i mean i i got a lot of years in so i i've dealt with many different kinds of personalities all the at all levels so you kind of learn how to your coping skills get really good and and also, just to keep really in perspective, like Allison says, we're making movies, we're doing television, we're not saving lives. And as important as the job is, and I throw myself into, you know, whatever job it is, just don't don't get crazy. And, and the people who I've worked with, who have been crazy and didn't have a life outside of their work, they're not pleasant people to work with. So mm -hmm. I, I find people who have a balance, make a good mental cutting room <laughs> so that it, it and when it's when it's more enjoyable you work harder I don't know I, that's what I find being surrounded with good people is very important as Shannon said you're there with them for nine months this is your your other family and yeah. you're fortunate that you get to choose who you hire so that you know in advance you know what kind of how your personalities interact yeah it's really it's really important that that remains I mean I've I've um, had some jobs where, you know, the um, the producer was the one who was going to hire the assistants, and I was like, "Well, why? They're not going to be your assistants. Why are you hiring them?" And it it's uh, it's so important to have my my assistant on this Apple show is Jorge, who um, I'm not sure if he's still on. He was on before, um, and I met him on um, Tales of the City. And I, I watched him work and, um, and he was terrific. And, you know, now on uh, Mosquito Coast, he's just, you know, I can, when I shut my computer down at night, I know that, um, you know, he usually has another hour or so to go. And I know that if something's wrong, I'm going to get a call because he has my back. And he, you know, as Shannon said, he knows, um, he knows the changes I've made. And, you know, if he thinks something's a little odd, he'll call me and say, did you mean to do that? And uh, hopefully I did. <laughs> I also want to say like, even down to, you know, cause you start at a PA level, um, you know, and you know, we had a great PA, AJ, and even down to like the lunches, <laughs> Like it seems trivial when everybody's like working really hard and pushing, you know, you, you need, I needed AJ to come in and remind me, 
you didn't order, you know, like, I want you to eat. I want you, to, you know, like all these things, like, here's some snacks, you know, like that, that person that is aware, Shannon hasn't eaten, Shannon hasn't ordered, the director hasn't ordered. Oh, are you guys going to have dinner? Do we, you know, like we needed some, cause you're just working so hard that you need somebody to come in and remind you to eat sometimes. So, um, I, I like that, especially for PAs, somebody that is used to taking care of people, like that is not concerned with mostly concerned with whatever they have going on that they want to do and they want to finagle into here and finagle into there. Like first you got to learn how to take care of people to do that job well. And you know, that's important. Yeah, and it's funny now that we're all working from home, we don't have that person anymore. Uh, no, <laughs> I know. I can't tell you how many days I've gone without eating because <laughs> I forgot. I know. I know. Well, you need them. You need them to like call and set reminders for you or do something. I don't know. It sucks. <laughs> and nobody's delivering any food to your house too. Like you can't just like. There's a there's a bag that just magically appears on the end of your desk. You open it up and eat it. I'm terrible about that too. Like I need, like I, they would all, um, Jenny and Inga and AJ and Nancy would go, Nancy Allen was our music editor. Who's also great. Um, would go eat lunch together. And I would just be like, Oh, I got to pump. I got to do this. I got to do that. I, uh, I wish, I wish I could go eat lunch. So you can now. Yeah, I know. I can now. <laughs> It really is. I, I found it's really, really, I, I, I worked on some jobs where I just worked right through. And when yeah. I started working with Barry Brown, he just, he would, he was great about stopping for lunch and taking the time. And, you know, when he went back to work, he was refreshed and it's yeah. really important. It's really important not to be working at your desk, not to be dropping food in your keyboard, because frankly, we can't work at our desk. The producer can sit behind us and the director and they can eat, but we can't eat. So if we order something hot, we're going to eat it five hours later and it's going to be cold because yeah. you just can't work and eat at the same time. So yeah. it's, um, it's really important to, to make an effort to take a break. Yeah, no, it's true. Don't do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> uh, Chris, do we, do we want to answer any of the questions that are st in the group chat or, or is, is this more of a, just kind of a, everybody shout out their own question? Sure. We have a couple more minutes. We're going to go to till five thirty today. So, um, if anyone's questions weren't answered, they're, they're welcome to ask them or, uh, I have, uh, I have one more I'd, I'd kind of like to ask, but, um, w would anyone else like to speak up? Yeah, I had a quick question. Hi, this is uh, for Shannon. Um, you said that you worked on Queen Sugar. Um, I'm actually in LA. I, I know Kat. How was working with Kat? Kat. Kat who? Kat Candler. Oh, yes. I love Kat. And so season two, she was a director. Season three, she was the producing director. And the producing director um basically oversees all of the episodes and directs some episodes too so um 
and uh, and the showrunner was she the showrunner too? I don't yeah. know. It's all well, running together. So, yeah, so she was a showrunner. I think she was the producing yeah. director season two, season two, and then this the um. Let me plug in. Hold on one second. Um, and then she was the showrunner season three, and she's great. She's great. Like she has just such a good eye in directing, and she's a everybody on queen sugar um because ava chooses first time directors uh first time television directors so all of the directors have directed features some have directed theater but they have not directed an hour of um broadcast television or streaming television and um they really do establish a family on queen sugar so on set they're taken care of you know it's there's no like oh, who is this director coming in to tell us what to do? It's all like, we embrace you. We're going to help you to make the best television episode of your life so that you can continue to do more. And, um, and it's like that in post too. So we, we really take care of our directors um, and we really try to help them get the best cut they can, you know, at, you know, I try not to see it as, oh, they're only here for four days and then they leave and then we're just going to like totally change everything that they said. You know, I, I want them to, to, to learn too. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a very, it's a, it's a family. I love my Queen Chugger family. Well, thank you. You're welcome. All right. Well, thank you again, Shannon. Thank you, Allison, for all your insight today. Thank you, Isabel, for moderating. And so we're going to close this episode of Post Break. And thank you, Tanu and Becky and Inga for producing. Thank you thank all. Thank you. Thanks to the Post Alliance That's Education great. and Events Committee. See you next week. Thank you. Bye, Bye everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.